first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. While the Indianapolis Colts fall to the Baltimore Ravens by a score of 24 to 10, Colts fall to 5-3 on the season. Disappointing loss to say the least. Lots of opportunities for the Colts to potentially be in this game. Lots of opportunities wasted. Lots of dumb mistakes, dumb errors. Frustrating game. Very, very frustrating game. So, Derek, what are your overall thoughts on this game and, and just overall on this loss? Yeah, I mean, it really was the tale of two halves. You know, it's pretty much the best way to describe it. I mean, it kind of flip-flopped, you know, uh, Indianapolis in the first half dominating the Ravens in every way possible. And then in the second half, the Ravens did that to us. And unfortunately, you know, we just had no help from our offense to back that up. It's obvious that, you know, scoring only 10 points against the Ravens is never going to win you the game. You'll you'll never win a game against the Ravens only scoring 10 points. So I blame most of this on our offense more than anyone else because, you know, you only scored 10 points. You fumbled a ball, which led to them getting seven of those 24 that they got. You put our defense in a bad position in the first play of the second half. So... I mean, the offense here is mostly to blame. And, you know, obviously the defense had a couple times where they gave up some points, but everyone kind of expected that, right? I mean, you kind of expected that the Ravens were going to score every now and again. But realistically, if you take away the fact that the Ravens started on our side of the field from that interception and you take away the seven points that they got from everywhere else, we only gave up 10 points defensive wise. I mean, we only gave up 10 points. So I'll take that any day of the week when it comes to our defense, but yeah, nonetheless, you're right. It's just, it it was, it was rough to watch that at the end. Yeah. Let's just talk about this Colts offense for a minute. (laughs) I mean, frankly, man, and no pun intended, I'm calling out Indianapolis Colts head coach, Frank Reich. This was an awful, ugly, pitiful performance from your offense. I mean, the second half, what, you get one yard in the third quarter. You score zero points in the second half. You turn the ball over multiple times on downs. Just an ugly performance from your offense. You hate to see that. And Phillip Rivers, not to mention, was a really, really bad game for number 17. Lots of questionable things that happened on the offensive side a lot of things that was really confusing whether it be play calling execution all that stuff this offense did not look good at all they really struggled to to move the ball they really struggled to do anything to convert on key conversions just overall a really really ugly ugly game and really second half for this offense 
Well, it's kind of ironic because I actually thought the rushing attack looked actually really good today. You know, Jonathan Taylor, again, was averaging over five yards a carry in this game. And I mean, I don't know whether or not it was, I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't have been the fumble that completely destroyed his confidence because I mean, he had a touchdown earlier in the game and even after that, he came in, he made some runs. He actually looked decent. I mean, I don't understand why, like after something bad happens or Jonathan Taylor seems to not like not doesn't seem to click in the offense. Frank Reich just takes him out. He takes him out. Just says Jordan Wilkins all day long. That's it. Just Jordan Wilkins all day. And they even tried to get him like Jordan Wilkins involved in the passing game too. Like why, when have we ever gotten Jordan Wilkins involved in the passing game? Why is he taking screens? That is Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines. Hines touched the ball three times in this game, three times. He's touched the ball four times in the last game, scored a touchdown on two of them. Why is the guy that last week was your best offensive weapon only touching the ball a handful of times in the next game? I don't understand it. And look, in the first half, Frank Reich called a good game plan. He was doing a great job of telling uh, Phillip Rivers, hit the middle of the field because it was open all the time. You had Zach Paschal, Moali Cox, Marcus Johnson, Michael Pittman. Everyone was getting involved in the passing game early. And Michael Pittman with three catches in the first half, it made it look like, oh, you know, you could probably go back to Michael Pittman on a couple of those curl routes. You know, a couple of those things, get it going, but... It seemed like every play in the second half, Phillip Rivers is launching it deep. Why? Like, why why are we throwing it to Marcus Johnson 50 yards down the field three times in a row when when we don't need to? We didn't need to do that. I don't understand why they felt the need to keep throwing it deep. We got away from the run game, which was actually working in this game. We got away from the run. We just decided to start going deep. It just it, and then Philip Rivers, a couple, a bunch of times in that second half, just looked like his receiver was running one route and he was throwing to another. Like, what what happened? I don't know. And I mean, you're right. We have to call Frank Reich on this again because again, the first half you looked fine. And then all of a sudden, you start calling a really bad game plan. It's like, it's like you, right? Like you said, like the Ravens made adjustments, but Frank Reich didn't in the second half, or he just got out coached. And you knew you were playing a good team. You knew you were playing one of the best teams in the AFC. And your offense continually through this game screwed over your defense multiple, multiple times. Your offense gives. The opposing team, seven points, rip in a gift basket, seven points, fumble, scoop, and score. Really changes the game there. The Colts were driving again. Their defense was holding well. And just continually, the offense kept doing disservice to this defense. They couldn't stay on the field. The defense got tired. The defense eventually allowed Baltimore to score. And we knew Baltimore has a good offense. So we knew that this was going to happen uh, the Colts offense did absolutely nothing to help this defense. And the defense was on the field way, way too much. And it just was a really pitiful performance from this offense. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, it's what it's funny because I think about this as an Ohio State fan. There was a coach that multiple years ago by the name of Jim Tressel, and he had the motto of when the Buckeyes were up in the second half, run the ball all the time. He literally just said, if we're up by like three touchdowns in the second half, we're running the ball. We're not even going to think about passing. Just run the ball. Just run the clock out. Even if we're up by three with like four minutes left in the fourth quarter and we haven't been able to run all game, Jim Trussell would say, run the football. See, now I'm not saying to be that conservative, but like, again, your first play out of the second half after your defense just went a full long drive of going down the field and then they make a miraculous stop. You're thinking, okay, well, we need to take advantage of this, but let's not be too aggressive right off the bat. And like, there's nothing wrong with being a little conservative, but at the same time, hit the middle of the field. It was working in the first half. Why was it not a factor in the second half? I mean, I just don't understand it. And again, you said it like Moali Cox wasn't involved very much in this game either had two catches, but I mean, in the end of the day, it really didn't mean much for the team in the end. And like I said, Jonathan Taylor, again, just his snap counts always go way down in the second half. It's all Jordan Wilkins. The majority of the time, it was a bad, it was bad play calling in the second half and poor execution. I mean, it was a bad throw by Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers had multiple bad throws in the second half. Wide receivers dropping the ball, uh, having, you know, almost had another one drop, uh, had another Marcus Johnson drop that almost went for a pick six. So, I mean, it, it was bad. Second half was just plain awful. It, it was yeah. plain awful. Well, it almost seems like he made adjustments, but he made the wrong adjustments. He went away from things the Colts were doing really, really well. You mentioned throwing through the middle, Moelle Cox, uh, throwing to Naheem Hines, all this kind of stuff, and going away from Jonathan Taylor in the second half. I mean, Frank Reich in his press conference after the game said, we have all the confidence in the world in Jonathan Taylor. And what do they do? They, they barely get him any playing time in the second half. That makes no sense to me at all. That makes no sense that Frank Reich would do that. I don't understand those adjustments. They're pretty stupid in my opinion. Uh, I think that, that Reich needs to figure some stuff out. And he's making some bad adjustments. You know, if you if you say that, use your second round pick. Use him, like you said, in the passing game. Use him. He was averaging four and a half yards a pop. Use him more. I know he fumbled the ball, which was significant, and we'll get into that, but... It was, it was just baffling. Why don't you use him? Use the talented guy on the roster. And that's just something that Reich, for whatever reason, goes away from. And that's just always a gripe I've had, all the way dating all the way back to that Kansas City game. Why don't you ride the hot hand? Why don't you go with the things that you're good at? Why don't you go with the things that are working? And Frank Reich seems to go away from that. And it's just super, super confusing. I don't really understand it. And I'm honestly at a loss for words. As to what Frank Reich was doing in that second half, it doesn't make any sense to me, any logical sense from a play-calling standpoint. None of it makes sense to me in what the Colts were doing uh, with with that play-calling. It doesn't make, make zero sense to me. And you know, I'm not just going to pin it all on Frank Reich. I mean, let's be real here. Phillip Rivers was awful in this game. 
awful, awful, awful. There were some plays that were so questionable. You know, you can say what you want about that interception. You know, we think obviously it was incomplete. We don't think he got proper possession, made a football move. But that was a dumb interception. That was a dumb throw. You know, just stuff like that. And Rivers was very inaccurate. He had guys running down the field that were open. He just overthrew them. Not a good day for Rivers. Not a good day for Reich. Both these guys need to be held accountable for this because they were the biggest factors into why this team lost. They really were, to be quite honest. They were. And another thing that just baffles me is just the lack of efficiency on offense. I mean, we've said it on this podcast before, Derek. You can do it against the Lions. You can do it against the Bengals. You can't do it against a top-tier team like the Ravens. If you do, if you have these dumb little things, if you're not efficient when you need to be, the Ravens are a good team. They're going to take advantage of that. And we saw, man, loss happen because the Colts did not do the little things well. It's a little bit concerning for me because of some of those teams you're playing. You're playing some really good teams coming up. Baltimore was just the first of a very gauntlet of schedule you have uh, coming up in the next few weeks. So a little bit concerning for me, but... All right, let's actually transition over now to some of the positives. So there was a lot of positives in this game, especially on the defensive side. I thought the defense looked really, really good. Uh, you know, 24 points, you think you got to think seven of those at least uh, you take off the board against the defense. I mean, your offense, like I mentioned earlier, gift-wrapped at seven points to uh, the Ravens in, in the first quarter. So you got to think, okay, so how much of that do I blame on the defense? I mean, the offense was putting the defense consistently in bad position throughout this game, but overall I thought the defensive line looked really good. Uh, DeForest Buckner is a superstar. He had that help. Uh, that he, he took the ball away on that against the running back. Looked really good there. Was disruptive all day long. Grover Stewart had a sack. He was all over the field in the run game. Uh, I would venture to say, Derek, Buckner and Stewart are probably, in my opinion, the best one and three technique in the league. I mean, Buckner, we, we already know what he can do in terms of against the running, against the pass. But how about Grover Stewart? I mean, a guy that's getting a little bit more popularity now, a guy that people are actually talking about. But we've we've had some Grover Stewart love on this podcast before, so it's great to see him continue to progress, continue to ascend. And Grover Stewart, man, deserves that check coming his way this offseason. Well-deserved, one of the best one-techs in the league. Still 27 years old, so you think you're going to get him on a couple-year contract extension. Would love to see him stay in Indianapolis for a few more years at the very minimum. Great to see Grover Stewart doing well. So yeah, I felt like the defensive line was really, really good again today, especially considering who you were facing. They did a great job, I felt like, against Lamar Jackson and his Baltimore rushing attack, especially in that first half. You know, they got a little bit more... Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things on the ground in the second half, but I always felt like this defense kept you in it. Even when they really could have given up in that fourth quarter, I felt like they still gave your offense chances to go and score, and your offense was just anemic. They didn't do anything, and uh, you know I, I blame that on the offense. The defense kept you in it the whole time, so shout out to that defense. Obviously, Darius Leonard, we already know probably the best linebacker in the league right now. I mean, this guy from sideline to sideline is one of the best linebackers in the league. He just makes plays, man. Darius Leonard, when he's in there, this Colts defense, we they're good without him, but they're even better with him. And so Darius Leonard is just a beast. You got a little dinged up. Same with Anthony Walker. They both return, so that would be good to see. Uh, hopefully they're all good to go for Thursday's matchup. We're going to definitely need him against Derrick Henry and company moving forward. But overall, I thought this defense was good. Xavier Rhodes, 
another good game. Julian Blackman obviously had that targeting penalty, uh, but I didn't think like other than that he had a bad game. Overall, you know, the secondary didn't really allow Lamar Jackson to really do anything. I thought they played really well against Mark Andrews, the tight end, and Hollywood Brown. Didn't really burn you. Didn't do a whole lot of damage against you. So overall, I thought it was a really good day for this Colts defense. Just I think the biggest thing was just they were on the field so much, they just eventually got tired. And that's just kind of what happens when your offense is going three and out and three and out and they can't stay on the field. Your defense will get worn down and they'll get tired. But I still thought it was a valiant effort from that crew. And they're definitely showing. We, we even said this would be a measuring stick to see how good this team is. You know, that was a potential knock on this defense was, okay, you know, you look at the level of competition and you couldn't say, oh, man, the Colts were facing these top quarterbacks. Well, Lamar Jackson was the MVP. Regardless of how he's doing this year, this guy was the MVP last year. And the Colts did a really good job containing him, really good job overall. So I would give this student a thumbs up. I thought they did a really good job considering the disadvantage they were given a lot of the time. So shout out to this defense. Great job, great effort by this defense to help try to help your team be victorious. And unfortunately, your offense just couldn't help you. Yeah, like you said, they only gave up 17. And when you give up 17, only 17 against Baltimore, against any competent offense, unlike what ours was today, you're probably going to win that game because the defense put them in a lot of great positions to score. But, I mean, you know, again, Bobby Okariki, Darius Leonard flying all over the field. They looked great. You know, uh, like you said, Mark Andrews, you know, his numbers were pretty decent at the end of the day, but he didn't blow up. Uh, Hollywood Brown had a couple catches, but nothing crazy. Um, you know, the big storyline is, you know, Lamar Jackson went, I don't know exact the exact numbers. I think it was like 19 of 23 for like 170 yards or something. I mean, again, you know, good completion percentage, but overall the passing yards in general were nothing. It was virtually non-existent, especially in the first half. They had what, maybe 39 passing yards. I mean, this defense in the first half was so disruptive. And you're right. This proved, this proved that the Colts can play competitively against a good offense like a Baltimore Ravens has the ability to do all of that. I mean, you're right. This defensive line got pressure a lot today. Uh, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, hats off to them. Danico Autry and Muhammad having a sack each today. Um, the linebackers were all over the field. I liked it. You know, Julian Blackman having a couple of plays. Kari Willis as well. They, they got a little. They got a little lackluster in the second half. I think they were trying to play more soft. But you know, again, in that second half, man, they were so gassed, especially on that second touchdown because. You went down the full length of the field the first time, the first possession of the half, and you stopped them. Great. It's awesome. Well, one play later, you're back on at midfield, and it's like, oh, great. We have half a field. We just came off of the – we just came off of that and everything else. And then, you know, you have to – then you you obviously give up the touchdown. Like, great. Okay, 14-10. Now we got to reset. Well, then they go three and out again. And then, you know, it's like, great, we got to go back on the field again and face Lamar Jackson. It's like, again, the offense put them in a really bad spot in that third quarter. And then, like you said, in the fourth quarter, they gave this team a chance at the end there. They stopped them 
on in the beginning of that fourth quarter. And it said, as long as we score here, we got a chance. We got a chance. So put it in within one score. And we went for it on fourth down. Didn't get it again. So story of the whole offense for the entire year, four, third downs and fourth downs and shorts, and we can't convert. It, it It's so frustrating. And I said it in the live stream, Cody. I said it in the live stream. This defense deserves better. This defense deserves so much better. This is behind Pittsburgh. This is the second best defense in all football right now. And it deserves better than a below average offense right now. I mean, if this was even an average offense, this team would be six and one and potentially seven and one after this week because of what we've been able to do. So really, really sad. But like you said, this defense has been incredible all year, except for week one. And I mean, hats off to them for at least trying. And, you know, I loved seeing Darius Leonard be so, so hyped up. I mean, he was bringing as much juice as he could in that game. I mean, you saw him everywhere getting hyped up on everything. That defense, that defense missed him so much. And I was so glad he got up from that knee injury because I saw that. And I mean, did you hold your breath for a minute? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely was holding my breath for that one. You know, it kind of reminded me uh, from a couple years ago, 2018. I remember I was at this game. It was Colts versus Miami late in the season. Darius Leonard is down, and the stadium literally is quiet. Like, everyone's like, oh, crap. (laughs) You know, we can't have our superstar defender go down here, and we can't have him go out with a serious injury. Fortunately, he was okay uh, but I kind of felt that way a little bit. It was like, anytime your star player is down, uh, it's a little bit concerning. So, fortunately, it was good. Darius Leonard seems to be okay. He returned to that game. Same with Anthony Walker. He seemed to be a little bit banged up. So, he returned to that game as well. I think for Walker, it was just a loss of air. So, oh, thankfully for Walker, it wasn't it wasn't anything severe. I think he just got the wind knocked out of him and needed a minute to get his breath back. But... Yeah, yeah, Leonard, that knee, we'll have to be, we'll have to monitor that. I mean, if he came sure. back in, it probably wasn't – it was probably nothing more than a stinger, but that probably is something to keep an eye on this because we are on a short week. So, you know, right. it, it could again be something that we might have to monitor. Right. Well, here's some of the positives that I think I can take away from this game. You mentioned it. You know, we're eight games into the season now. I think it's safe to say this offense is going to need a major makeover this offseason in a lot of ways. But there are some positives that we can take from this. You mentioned Michael Pittman. I thought he looked pretty good. Had four catches for about 50 yards, a little over 50 yards. Thought he looked good. I thought Jonathan Taylor, beyond the fumble, looked pretty good in limited snaps. Um, You mentioned the defense. You know, it still looks good. They're young. There's a lot of talent on that defense. You like kind of what some of those guys, like the Michael Harris even, an undrafted free agent. I thought he looked pretty good in the snaps that he got. So there are some positives on this offense. Uh, and, and the great thing is with Philip Rivers, you know, Philip Rivers has divided Colts fans so, so much this offseason and this whole season going forward. But I think the beauty of it is you're not committed to him long term. And honestly, and I said this on Twitter, I think the best move right now through eight games is to let Rivers walk. I mean, we always thought that he was a rental, right? We always thought he was going to be a one max two year type of guy. So you let him walk this offseason. You see what you got in Jacob Beeson. This is a redshirt year for him, so he's probably not going to see the field this year. 
And if you fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, man, you do everything you can to get up there and get your guy, no matter what the cost is. I mean, it's crazy, Derek, because like this defense, I look, uh, you know, from starter to all the backups, besides a few little tweaks here and there, I don't really feel like this defense really needs a whole lot of additions this offseason. Honestly, like that's the thing, because over the last few drafts and off seasons, you did that. You got yep. Buckner, you got Rhodes, you brought in other guys in the secondary yep. to add depth and defensive yep. linemen. Like you did all that and you drafted half of your linebacker room. So you've done all your overhaul, Ballard and Reich. You've done your overhaul on your defense. Now it is time to say we've got our young nucleus on defense we can keep them. Let's focus on the offense. Get the guys that are going to change the game with how they play. Because right now, we don't have that right now. We need to find those guys. Boom. I think you hit it right on the head there, Derek. The last couple drafts have really been defensive focused. if you really think about all the assets that you have put towards that defense. And now you feel like some of those assets are finally coming to fruition a little bit. So I really think this offseason... 2021 offseason really needs to be offensive heavy centric. I really feel like it needs to be quarterback, left tackle, because Costanzo, we don't know, and he's also kind of having a little bit of a down year. Uh, some more weapons potentially. You know, there's a lot of things that you can potentially address on the offensive side. I really feel like this is the year to do it, and the Colts really need to find their guy for the future, whether that be Jacob Beeson, whether that not be Jacob Beeson. Whoever it is, the Colts need to find their future. They need to stop. Uh, finding stopgap solutions, it's time to rip off that Band-Aid and go draft your guy. You need your offense to be competent. And frankly, Derek, I think that's a big reason why the Colts aren't one of the top teams in the AFC right now. Their offense is below competent. They're very incompetent right now. And I want to see what, what happens with Frank Reich not getting a 37-year-old quarterback, drafting his guy, drafting his quarterback, and developing him. That's really what I want to see out of it. And how crazy is, is it? Think about this, Derek. So the last 20 years, how crazy would it be to say the Colts' defense is not the problem? The Colts' offense is the problem. That feels so weird to say from a Colts fan's perspective. <laughs> we have not. Yeah, I don't think Colts fans have been able to say that. Well, they've only been able to say that one time over the last 20 years. And that was when the year Peyton Manning obviously sat out. And then the year before they got Andrew Luck, that's the only year since tw since the year 2000, when Colts fans were able to say, Oh, it's the offense. That's the problem. <laughs> that's, right. that's It's been a while. It has. And, and you're right. You know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people again, don't realize that that, you know, it's like, you know, in 2018, Frank Wright comes in, you know, you got, you got your quarterback in Andrew Luck. He was hobbled at first, but then he finally started picking it up. And then we're like, oh, well, now we see what this team can potentially become. Let's get some more weapons around him. And then obviously he's gone and you have your backup quarterback starting the whole year. And then now all of a sudden, yeah, your quarterback, he worked with him before, but he's not what he used to be. And we know he's just a stepping stone uh, to what, is going to be coming later. So it's like, right. yeah, you're right. He really hasn't had a time to really uh, understand it. And, you know, the one year that he did, the defense wasn't what it is now. I mean, right. you know, Darius Leonard was on that team, but a couple years go by, he had a couple more pieces and what this defense is now. So, yeah, I mean, 
it is unfortunate. You know, Frank Reich has to take a lot of blame for a lot of this stuff. But, you know, it is true that, you know, we've come to that situation now where, you know, the most important position in all sports is quarterback. And if you don't have, if you're not stable at that position, most of the time you're not going to win a lot of games. Right. And I feel like this Colts team finally is talented enough. I mean, we've seen it. They're talented enough. If you get the right guy in there for your future, if you find a guy that can make this offense competent at the very minimum, this team's going to be really, really good for a long time. So as much as this loss stings, I'm encouraged because the future is so bright in Indianapolis with Chris Ballard, especially being the GM and all the talent that he's acquired over these last few seasons as the general manager of the Colts. I really feel like if he can just hit on a quarterback, man, the sky's the limit for this team. I mean, it really is. So I'm super encouraged by that. This loss stings, but hey, we'll give credit where credit is due. Baltimore's one of the best teams in the AFC. And so to be able to go toe-to-toe with them for pretty much the entire game, I mean, it sucks because I never want (laughs) the Colts to lose. But like I said it in the preview, you know, I'll be okay if the Colts are competitive in this game. And they were. Obviously, the offense needs a lot of work, but... Overall, the future is very bright, especially if the Colts can get a guy in there to be their quarterback. So uh, this loss stings, but still there's a lot, a lot of football left. There's a whole second half of this season, and I'm really excited to see what this Colts team does, how they come out on Thursday, and hopefully come out with the win and maybe the division lead in the AFC South. But that'll wrap up this podcast, guys. Thanks so much for listening. For Derek and myself, we appreciate it. If you're still listening, be sure to hit the like button. Be sure to subscribe. On the road to 4,000 subscribers. We are almost there, Colts Nation. We're so thankful for you. For Derek and myself, thanks guys so much. And as always, go Colts.